Well, good morning, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all your fathers here. I am so thankful for being here uh, this morning. I had the opportunity to preach on uh, Mother's Day, and now it's Father's Day, so I feel a little bit like the holiday special. Um, <laughs> but it, it's good. It, it's Father's Day. Um, we, we really just want to honor the fathers here. Just being a father is such a pivotal part in our, our own lives and the lives of our children and for our nation and our society and for the world. Um, one thing that just every good father just wants to do is just pass on some skill, something that they're good at, some ability they have to their kids. Um, whether that's you know playing basketball, shooting the perfect jump shot, fixing a car, um, fixing a computer, um, putting in cabinets. Uh, dads wanna pass on their skills. Uh, to their kids. And at my house, uh, one thing my dad did with me very young is my dad wrestled me. And that's something we do in our house is we, we throw down. My kids know that dad is always a target for their secret wrestling moves, and they're able to just uh, come at me with um, what, what they have devised in their minds as the most painful way to attack dad. So, um, but that's kind of a little bit of what we're focusing on here today. We're talking about what a father wants to pass on, um, what a father wants to pass on to his child. Um, and we can see that here. We're in Second uh, Timothy today. So if you want to get there in your Bibles or your phone, Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, um, we'll be in verses 1 through 7. Um, so... Paul, we've learned a little bit about Paul. Uh, we've been reading, uh, Pastor Dean's been going through the book of Philippians, um, and we've gotten a little acquainted with him, a little bit of his personality, um, and now I wanted to fast forward a little bit to the end of Paul's life as we transition out of that sermon series, kind of put a cap on it. Um, the, sec the book of 2 Timothy is a wonderful book. It, it um, it really caps up what does Paul want to pass on to Timothy, his spiritual child. Uh, Paul picks up Timothy in his second missionary journey um, in Acts chapter 15. Timothy's the son of a Jewish woman and the grandson of um, uh, a Jewish believing grandmother. Um, but his father is Greek, and the, the text isn't really clear on whether he follows Christ or not. Uh, so Paul becomes a spiritual father to Timothy. He takes him in, he disciples him, he brings him along on his dangerous missionary churches, uh, uh, dangerous um, church planning ministry. And Paul really uh, just disciples him, shows him what's it like to share the gospel, what's it like to plant a church. Um, and now fast forward to the end of Paul's life, Paul is in prison for the second time. And he really knows that this one, he's not going to get out of prison this time. He can really feel it uh, in the text. Um, and Nero is the reigning emperor uh, at the time, and he has really uh, started an intense persecution. So Paul has this sense of, what do I have to get to my disciple Timothy, my spiritual son? What's most important to pass on to him? Um, so that is where we're at. So I will read the passage. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since it is his aim to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Is it the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops? Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Um, so we're going to do that today. We're going to think over what Paul is saying, and we're going to try to apply it to our lives. The first thing that Paul says to his child, Timothy, is to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we've sung about that, you know, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus, and now we've got to be strengthened in the name, uh, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that sounds good, but... What does that mean? You, you can kind of gloss over that, and what does that specifically uh, mean? So the good news is that Paul lays out what it, the grace that is in Christ Jesus uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9. Um, in there, he says, uh, this is God. God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, uh, but because of his own purpose and grace. Uh, this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus. So it's right there before the beginning of time. So you can see that this grace is in uh, Christ Jesus. Uh, and this is a given grace. This is not an earned grace. Uh, the text makes it very clear. See, it says, not because of anything uh, we have done. So not because of good stuff you can do for God that looks good on the outside and not even the sin and, and bad stuff can, um, that is not the determining factor in your relationship with God. It is grace. Um, grace here is a gift. It's a free gift to be received. Um, grace is described as an undeserved acceptance. Um, so, uh, it is based not on our own lives, but on the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. Um, so coming back to our verse, so we want to be strengthened in our grace and that's one, um, in the grace of Christ. And that's one side of the coin of grace, but the Bible talks about another side of the coin of grace. And you really need both sides of the coin to be strengthened in grace. So that is in first Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, verse 10. Um, I'm going to read it here. We're going to see the first side of grace at the beginning of the verse, and then we're going to see the second side of the coin of grace, but it's the same thing. Um, but the grace of God, oh, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So Paul has received grace. He was a persecutor of the church. Um, he wasn't first in line for who you'd want to become a Christian. He was killing Christians, um, but God gave him grace and caused him to repent and to receive Christ. So that God made him who he was, gave him an identity. And then he says, and this grace toward me was not in vain. Um, so that is the first side of grace. Now we're going to see the second side here as the verse continues. Um, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, so it wasn't Paul. Paul didn't work. Um, who worked then? The verse tells us, but the grace of God that is with me. Uh, so Paul did not work. When he planted churches, when he discipled other people, he did not work. It was grace 
grace worked. And that's the second side of the coin of grace. Grace has power. Um, grace has power to change you and those around you. Um, so the way you can see this in, in kind of a picture form that I think helps me um, is that um, grace kind of is like a fountain. So you receive grace. So above, if you have a fountain, you have the top bowl that's small and that fills up with water and overflows to a medium bowl and that fills up with water and then pulls out. Um, and the way with grace is at the top is Jesus Christ. Everything he is, his life, his death, and resurrection, and he pours out grace, and you receive grace. You don't look to yourself. You look to him, and you receive it, and then grace flows out of you. You fill up just like a fountain on that second tier with water. You fill up with grace, and it pours out, and grace is not cement. It, it must pour out. It must keep flowing, um, so it's kind of easy to think about, you know, grace as I receive it, I'm looking to God for my identity, not to myself. But how, how does grace with power, how does the power of grace, how does that work? Um, so one way to think about it is like stepping off a dock onto a boat. Um, so when you step off a dock, you know, it's the boat that holds you up. It's not you that holds up you and the boat. It's the boat. The boat is designed to hold you up. But it's your job to still take that step of faith. Um, and in the same way, if you do what God calls you to do, if you take out a step out in faith, I know God wants me to do this, you put your foot out there and God immediately upholds you, immediately gives you the power of what he wants to accomplish, his purpose in that moment. Um, he, like the boat, pulls you up. So it's not you that's working. It is um, grace. A previous pastor of mine put it this way. Um, he said that God does not require anything of us that he will not give us strength to do. So that's great news. I feel so weak and so inadequate to do what God calls me to do. But I, I just this is such a great promise that being strengthened by grace, if I step out in faith, God will accomplish his purposes. Um, so now that we've been, we've been strengthened by grace and I've been talking about step out with what he calls you to do, and it's like, okay, what, what is that? So verse 2 tells us what God calls us to do. Um, Paul says to Timothy, this is what he wants him to do. So he's strengthened by grace. This is what he wants him to do. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, so what did Timothy hear? What was Paul's message? Why is, Timoth why is Paul in prison? Um, and the message, what he heard in front of many witnesses was the gospel, this gospel of grace. Um, this life and death and resurrection of Christ that um, Paul proclaimed to people for them to receive, not looking to themselves, um, not looking to their sin, not looking to their good deeds, but looking to Jesus and his grace. Um, that was the message. That's what Paul wants to be passed on. And he wants uh, Timothy to entrust in, it to other people. Now, this passage is designed to talk about kind of leading, um, specifically leading kind of how do you lead up 
you know, pastors and elders. But in general, there's a wonderful principle here of how you disciple people. And the, um, the uh, command to make disciples was given to the whole church, not just um, to certain people, but the whole church. That is in um, Matthew 28. Um, says, all authority, this is Jesus talking, all authority uh, on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. Make disciples. And that's what this passage is about. It's kind of walking through the method of how you make disciples and what that looks like. How is that going to unfold into the world? Um, so just to be clear, a disciple is one who is set free from the slavery of sin by the grace of God and is growing in Christ-like character and is helping others to follow Christ. So how do you make disciples? Um, it's, it starts with knowing the gospel, knowing this message, and sharing it with people, sharing um, how God has affected your own life and this offer of grace for them to receive, um, to be free from sin, to turn to Christ, um, so it's sharing the gospel, and then if someone receives it, put their hopes and their trust in the, in the work of Jesus and not in themselves, um, that is, they become a Christian. They become alive in Christ. So that's, that's step one. Step two is to equip them. How do you equip them? Well, you um, teach them to draw close to God. Uh, through prayer and through God's word, through the Bible. So in the Bible, we hear from God. It's very important to have a relationship with someone. Um, all the dads know this, that if you're going to have relationships, you need to communicate. So how you communicate with God is you read his word, you hear from him, and then you pray, you talk to God, um, and you grow in that relationship. So after you've equipped someone, how do you pray? How do you read your Bible? Then you, you equip them to share the gospel with other people. Um, you uh, help them to teach others also, as the passage says. Help them to share the gospel. Um, help them to share the grace that is in Christ. Um, and lastly, you encourage them, and that's what Paul's doing here. This is the last step. This is the, the good step to just encourage your disciple uh, the people that you have led to Christ were around them when they came to know Christ to share the gospel with other people. Um, and way this, the way this works is a multiplying um, kind of pattern. And I'd love to show up, throw up this picture um, that really helps show the grace that is in, um, in Christ. Can we put up the, the picture of... Um, of the verse playing out. All right, so there we go. So I love this picture. I saw this in college, and you got this guy who's representing Paul here, and then you have his Timothys, the people that he has discipled, and you can see has he entrusted the gospel to them, they responded in faith, and he built them up. They shared with faithful men, um, and then the faithful men shared with others, and then you get the crowd. Um, and this, I mean, there's about 175 people in this picture, and it's just a wonderful testimony of how 
discipling can multiply very quickly and have a big effect on people's lives. Now, you might go, I, I can never do that. I could never have this type of spiritual uh, heritage. But you, you got to get your eyes off the crowd and just look at the front row. You got, you got seven people there. And, okay, so seven's a lot of disciples. Well, slow that down a little bit. What would it look like if everyone who's here who believes in Christ, who's like, man, that's my hope, that's my hope is Jesus, that you'd make a disciple? Um, what about once every, in three years, could you make a disciple of Christ? If you made a disciple of Christ in three years, and you did that for the next 21 years, you would have this same line of Timothy-like disciples behind you. And as the years went on, even if you passed, you would have this same effect by discipling people well. You could have a spiritual inheritance of around 200 people, people that you won't maybe even meet, but will be affected by um, your legacy. Um, and fathers, this, this really... Um, just needs to happen in our home. We want to do this in our communities, in our workplaces, but we need to do this at homes. We need to pour out uh, this grace into our kids and point them to Christ. Um, and our kids need to have their life um, based on the life and death uh, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, so that is um, that is the hope, that is the goal. We have um, programs in this church, too, to help help you to disciple others, whether it's Awana or VBS or youth ministries or our men's ministries or our women's ministries or our community groups. That's the goal, to make disciples. So we got the, the goal um, of making multiplying disciples. We got the power uh, and the grace to be able to do it. Um, so Paul's Paul's being a realist. He's going to talk about what it will cost us. What, it will it, what would it look like uh, to make disciples? So let's read uh, verses 3 through 7. Um, Share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since it is his aim to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he complete, com, uh, competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So we got the, there's three word pictures here. Um, we got the good soldier, we have the athlete, and the hardworking farmer. So let's dive in. This is what Paul thinks it will take. He wants to encourage Timothy in. Um, the goal of a soldier. What is the goal of a soldier? Well, it's what the commands are. It is to please his commander. Now, as soldiers in Christ, we seek to please Jesus. He is our commander. He's the one who sets the pace, sets the orders, and gives us our goal. So we need to be focused on the orders. The orders is to make disciples of all nations. 
make disciples, make disciples. So in this year, it's 2020, and that means it's in an election year. And in an election year, it's easy to get entangled and get off the goal of the one who enlisted us and to get tangled into uh, politics and, and into government. And those are good things that Christians should be involved in politics and should be involved in government. But the goal, the goal, your goal for 2020 is to make disciples. Um, so we want to get focused on our goal. The second picture here is an athlete who uh, competes according to the rules. So I remember growing up, and uh, I remember watching the 100-meter dash. So these are the fastest men in the world. It was in the Olympics, so it's been four years since they've done this again. They are, these are the best of the best, and they've trained, and they've disciplined themselves, and they are ready to go. So what they do is they kind of, uh, you kind of jump around a little bit. You stay loose, you know, at a 100-meter dash, and then they tell you get in your blocks, and then you do this for some reason. Um, that looks painful, uh, but um, so you just, they're all like this, and then they're, they got all their weight on two fingers, and their backs go up in the air, and they, you know, I'm just watching this as a kid, and um, just super enthralled, and their backs go up, and then bang, and they, they just take off, and they shoot out of the blocks, and then the next second, bang, they all stop. They all stop, and they all kind of get back doing this. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? And then a second later, one of the men falls on the ground. And I'm a little kid. I don't, I don't know what's going on. What was that second bang? Is that guy shot? Like, what, what was that? <laughs> so I asked my dad, and my dad says, he false started. He false started. He didn't compete according to the rules. And you can just imagine the guy's agony. Like, he, he trained for four years. He worked. This was all his moment. And because he didn't obey the rules, he lost. He couldn't even finish the race. He couldn't get to the finish line. He lost the attempt um, of what he was striving for. And it's the same way as Christians. If we lose track of um, God's rules, how God wants us to disciple, we can uh, lose fruit, we can uh, lose years of discipline and uh, time with people, and we can hurt people. Um, so it's, it's very important principle that we obey God's rules. Um, now, when you're discipling and ministering to someone, okay, obey God's rules. What what does that mean? Now, you could go a lot of different ways with this. One way I like to do a heart check is uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, this is what grace should come out of you when you're discipling. This is what your sh discipling should taste like. Um, it should have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, whether you're a father discipling your son or a mother discipling your children, um, if you correct your children and tell them not to do something and you do it in a harsh tone, have a, you know, double check yourself. Am I doing this in love or am I doing this out of annoyance? This, I, I really want my preferences met. Um, or when you're, you're reaching out to people and... Um, and do you have a sense of gentleness, a warm welcome, 
Um, is that what's coming out of your heart? So do you, I use the fruit of the Spirit when I am ministering to other people, discipling other people. Just check my heart. What is coming out of me? Am I competing according to God's rules? Because we want to hit the finish line. We want the fruit of our labor. Um, and that kind of leads us into the last verse. So the last verse uh, is about the hardworking farmer. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Um, so the, uh, the hardworking farmer, he sees the soil, um, he sees the potential, and he works. He sows seeds. He takes patience and time. Um, there is no quick results in discipling. Um, he waters. He waits. Um, and then when the harvest comes, he takes his share. He makes sure he gets a profit off of it. And it's the same way as Christians. Um, God, God isn't selfish. God loves to share. So when Christ returns and he um, receives his kingdom, um, he will give you rewards for being faithful, for uh, sharing the gospel with others, with discipling other people. He will give you rewards that will not fade away, will not break, will not grow old, that will last forever. Um, God is very gracious that he, he loves to share, and he wants you to be motivated by what he has to share. Um, so have that in mind as we uh, pursue discipling other. what's the others, what's the end goal? What will my life, um, will I have people around me who um, heard the grace of God and became Christians? And will I get to enjoy them um, forever, their company, um, because I was faithful in discipling um, just a few and had that spread out? Um, so wrapping up here, we, uh, we have the, the grace of God, the power to take uh, bold steps out in faith, knowing that it's, it's Christ that upholds us, gives us power. We have the aim, the goal is to, to make disciples. We put some gutters on both sides to uh, play by God's rules, to not go off and um, get away from the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and then we have the, the, what accompanies the end goal, the rewards, the, the good stuff that will last um, forever. So, fathers, we, we need all this in, in discipling our children. We need to have this on our minds, um, be reminded of the grace. And we want our kids to put their hope in, in the grace of God, not in good behavior, not in looking a certain way or having certain accomplishments. It's in the grace that I'm a sinner and I, I need Christ to die for me. I need his perfect life. Um, and at Highland, we, we want to disciple others in this grace. Um, one thing that we're doing as a church is we are kind of moving towards the fall and ramping up our community groups. Uh, June 30th, uh, from 6.30 to 7.30, we're having a leadership vision night to um, how, how do you lead a, disciple, or a community group and help disciple other people. Uh, it's kind of an information night only. You can show up and hear and hear the vision and um, see if that's something you want to be a part of, if God puts on your heart, or if it's something that, you know, I don't think God is leading to me in that ministry. So I wanted to put that on your radar um, for ways to disciple others. So uh, I just, I would love to pray for you and, and send us out now as we, we hope to disciple others and, and step out in 
um, the grace of God. So, um, Father, I, I thank you for everyone here. Um, I pray for those who are new visitors, just maybe just hearing this gospel of grace, who for the first time maybe, maybe hearing that it's not about their works, not about what they can do. I pray that they would receive Jesus and feel that, oh man, that breath of uh, fresh air to have the burden off their back of pulling their own weight and knowing that Jesus has uh, gone before them and has lived the perfect life for them. Help them to receive that grace. I pray that that would be all of our identities as we disciple other people. Help us to know um, know that you will be there as we uh, step out in faith. I pray that you would help us to model Jesus, look like Jesus when we disciple, that we wouldn't be hard or, um, uh, or angry or um, not faithful, but that we would represent who you are to the world. I pray that um, you would give everyone grace, that you give people opportunities uh, to make a disciple um, and that they would uh, have the strength in your grace to be able to do that. Father, I pray that you would just send everyone out in um, a spirit of love and unity this week. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.